just walk on. Stand with me, please. Isaiah chapter 2. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all the nations shall flow into it. Many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up into the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach us of his ways. And look, as we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Amen. Psalms 86 and 11 says, Teach me thy ways, O Lord, and I will walk in truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Father, I love you, and I thank you for the privilege and the opportunity, God, to be able to share this message, Lord, with this congregation this morning. I thank you for the privilege, God, of knowing that you are God and that you're here to minister to our hearts and our lives. Uh, I'm thankful to know, Lord, that it makes no difference what we face or what we deal with. God, you're able to take care of it. And I believe miracles are going to take place in this altar service this morning. Uh, anoint your servant, God. You know I can't do this without you. And I commit this service in your hand. These words that I speak, God, I pray that would have the, the anointing of God upon it. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated this morning. I had the awesome privilege of preaching last Sunday morning and evening at McLeod Assembly of God for some of my very dear friends, Brother and Sister Webb. I preached for them in the last seven years since I retired from Jones several occasions. Preached some revival, weekend services. They'd go to councils and different things that they were going to and they'd asked me to preach so many times and enjoyed it every time we've been there just before the morning service started. And I had my message, and I wish I could tell you what it was. It just slid right past my mind. What did I preach on? Oh, the, the fire of God, fire and power of God last Sunday morning. But just before the morning service started, some more pastor friends of ours walked in that we hadn't seen in a while. Brother and Sister Spiritsy pastored at McLeod, not McLeod, at Meeker for a number of years and, and been evangelist and around. And... I saw Sister Searcy come in, and she was using a walker to get into to the service. And I looked up, and I thought, They're, they may be a little bit older than us. I don't, I don't remember. But I thought, here's a, a dear saint of God, and, and she's coming in, and she's coming to church, and she's got that walker. And God began to speak to my heart. And I just very quickly, I always keep something in the front of my Bible, and I, I write notes on press sacks. Walmart and I don't even remember now what it was, but I scratched down this, this scripture, flipped over the back of my Bible and saw the scripture and jotted down this title. I said, I'm going to put this message together and I'm going to preach it fairly soon. Monday or Tuesday, Pastor called me and wanted me to preach and I said, okay, I, I know what God wants me to preach. Amen. She had limited mobility, Sister Searcy did, but she was still putting one foot in front of the other load from the last time I saw her. Last time I saw her, she was still getting around, but the steps. I don't know what caused Sister Searcy to use that walker. She may have had a stroke. She may, I don't know. But she was still putting one foot in front of the other to come in and hear the word. I don't know if Brother Danny had announced it. We were come, I don't know. I don't know if they had been there all the time. I didn't talk to them after service, but here's this 
dear lady of God that's still putting one foot in front of the other to go forward and do what God wants her to do. God laid, when God laid this message on my heart, I thought of something. How many of you remember the MDA telethon that Jerry Lewis did every year? Last, go on, start on Saturday night, go all the way through Sunday. I read something somewhere. I, I was looking, I don't know. It, it ended a couple of years ago. He went on, it was on for 49 straight years. I didn't realize it was on that long. You remember the song he closed with every year? Anybody? You'll never walk alone. Never walk alone. So I looked it up. I'm getting smart. Where's my phone? There's a Google button on there. It was written in 1963 and sung by Jerry and the Pacemakers. I, well, I don't have a clue who Jerry and the Pacemakers was. But Jerry Lee Lewis sang this song for so, so many years about these little children. Disabled hurting and in need. And he said, you'll never walk alone. And I thought as I began to put this message together and I sat down and began to put scriptures together, I thought, church, you don't know every time that you're going through a battle, every time that you're beat up, every time you're knocked down, you need to know that no matter what you go through or what you have to deal with, you'll never walk alone. Paul said in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do to me. Know this, that in the worst time of your life, when things are going the, the very worst, in situations that you're facing, you're not walking through that alone. You're not going through it. God says he'll be with you. Uh, it says that I'll be a helper uh, and I'll be a strength to you. Uh, and you know that he's there. So praise team saying, Holy Spirit, I know when he's there. I know when the power of God is walking with us uh, and leading us and guiding us. Uh, Robbie, that situation uh, that your husband's going through, that reoccurring cancer, uh, he's not walking by himself. Uh, I thought of Mike's dad uh, that just had surgery uh, on, the, on a similar situation, uh, not going through it by himself. Uh, that situation you're facing with that Indian tribe, uh, let me tell you, God's walking with you uh, through that thing. Uh, Brother Calvin, I've been praying for you, and God's been with you through that situation. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're going through today. But Paul said, and the man of God, Paul, the anointed of God, said God was going to be your help. And he'd always be there for you. I'm not saying you're going to come through the battle unscathed. This song that this singer, and like I said, I didn't look, I don't know. If it was Jason or Mike that sang it, but said, still bear the scars. Scarred up on my body in different places from situations. Some of them I talk about, some of them I don't want to. But I've got scars from situations that I've been in. You won't come out unscathed. Sometimes we just have to push ourselves. We have to keep moving. We have to keep on keeping on. The old devil wants us to stop. He wants us to quit. He wants us to give up when the battle gets the hardest and the hottest. When the things look like they're an impossibility. I'm here to tell you that God has promised you victory. That song says this old world's going to end. Things are going to come to a close. And we're going to see Jesus in the eastern sky. David said... Psalm chapter 61, David's going through a, a difficult situation. 
And the prayer of David says, hear my cry, O God. You ever been there? Attend to, the, my, attend to my prayer. Hear my prayer. I, I was going through a situation one time. I remember back in the old church and, and was going through a, a thing. That, man, I didn't think I was going to come out the other end of it. I hadn't been saved very long. I was in the battle of my life. and A dear sister. God moves upon your heart to go to somebody. Don't fail to do it. God lays somebody on your heart and you say, Lord, I don't even know what they're going through. And you just go over and slip your arm around them. I remember going through that situation. One of the dear ladies at the church came to me back at Lighthouse in Muskogee. She, she was, I said, I know you're going through something. I said, yeah. I don't feel like my prayers are going above the ceiling. I'll never forget this as long as I live. She said, Tommy, you got to know that your prayers, God hears you in the prayers when they don't bounce, when they don't go above the ceiling. When they don't, when, when you feel like they're not going above the ceiling, God's still hearing your prayers. I never forget that. Attend to my prayer. God, hear my prayer and know my cry. From the end of the earth, I will cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to that rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter, listen to me, thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from my enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever and I will trust in the convert of thy wings. Know this, that when we're facing those things that we don't understand, those things that we don't know anything about, God's saying walk on, walk a little farther, know that I'm there, know that I'm going to help you, know that I'm going to encourage you, know that I'm going to help you in the time of the deepest and most difficult times of your life. I have, a, I have a niece that has a daughter who lives in Missouri. Her name is Brittany. And she's kind of like, I've got a younger daughter that uh, is a health nut. This, this thing you're talking about, she teaches one of those classes a couple of times a day. But Brittany runs five to seven miles every single day. And she does it in the heat, in the cold. She does it when she's not in the mood. She does it when she doesn't feel like it. She's out there running, uphill, downhill, in the rain. I think sometimes we let the smallest things get in our way to keep us from going forward with God. Brittany, it doesn't matter to Brittany. She she is dedicated to that, that training. Her husband is... He's the youth leader at their church, and they're very involved in their church and doing the things that they do with their church. But she's she's got this, this health idea thing, and it doesn't make any difference. What it is, she's going to be out there. And I think sometimes we got to get that kind of attitude uh, in our spiritual being. Uh, sometimes we got to get that attitude in our heart. It doesn't make any difference. Rain, cold, I don't feel like it. i got to get out and pray. i got to seek God. Somebody's in need somewhere. i got a need in my life. Uh, somebody's calling out. Uh, pastors put a name on the list uh, of a very serious need, and we need to be praying. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, the devil will come and bring everything he can against you to stop you uh, from being all that God wants you to be. But when you when you see that, do like David did and cry out to the God, to the Lord and know that God's there to touch you Amen. and to minister to you. You know, prayer 
Bible study, all these things that we do for God take some discipline. It's easy to skate through life as a sinner. But when you make that commitment to God, you've got to start disciplining this heart. I heard, I think it was a Church of Christ preacher the other day, we were sitting there talking and something was said about how sometimes people are, they're vulgar with their mouth and they say things with their mouth. And he said, what's coming out of here is, is, is lodged right here. It starts out right here. we got to train this thing. we got to train this heart to discipline, to serve God, and do everything that we're supposed to do. I thought of Joshua as I was began to put this message together. Moses, the great leader of Israel, has died in the last chapter of Deuteronomy. In the first chapter of Joshua, Joshua is chosen to be the new leader of Israel. And I thought, what a tremendous responsibility that is being laid upon his shoulders. Some of us would have said, not me. Don't put me in that place. God, don't call me there. Listen to me. If God calls you to do something and calls you to be in a place, he's going to equip you to do it. He's going to prepare you for it. He's going to let you know. And Joshua was already being prepared. I feel so sorry this morning. Like I said, preached in McLeod last week in very small church, probably maybe a little smaller than, than ours if not equal to what we are. And I thought, I watched Brother and Sister Webb as they were running around the church morning and evening. Brother Webb works full-time job, has worked in the roofing business for 30 years maybe. He preaches on Sunday morning, does Royal Rangers on Sunday night. Sister Webb leads praise and worship Sunday morning and Sunday night, does children's church on Sunday morning, and preaches on Sunday night. Listen, I believe that God's calling some people to step up. Sister Webb, the sweetest lady, I'm telling you what, she is the sweetest, most, well, her and Brother Webb both, most giving people, anointed the Lord, both of them, but I could tell when we were sitting in the restaurant eating lunch that they were tired. She was tired. I believe God's calling some people to step up. Look here. If you're sitting in in your Christian experience and doing nothing, you're missing out on what God's got for you. God's got a calling upon your life. God has called that man to be in this pulpit to be our pastor right now. God has called this praise team, I believe a few, several months ago, when they got up here on that Sunday morning when we were having altar service and and just started singing, God called them right then. They were going to be our praise and worship leaders. God's called teachers like, like Teresa and Amber, these different, different ones that, that teach us the word. But God has a calling in your life, a place of work, a, a place where he can use you. And let me tell you something. It may be a little difficult. It may take some of your time, but you're missing out on the blessings of God. I was counting the number of kids you guys got back here on that list. I think there's 12 of them so far, maybe more coming. What an awesome privilege. I miss it. I do. I miss it. I know I'm the whole way on down the road from doing that kind of stuff anymore, but oh, I miss it so bad. Watching those kids. 
And I, I appreciate the facility we have over there. Our RAG has done a wonderful job building that. Oh, but I miss Davis. <laughs> I miss those old wood plank pews and those those altar times where you'd have 200 kids laying in the floor seeking God. Some of them slain in the spirit. Some of them filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Some of them called in the minute. I've watched them as they've progressed and grown, and some of them are, are senior pastors now. Some of them are youth pastors. But they, it, it happened because a group of volunteers, youth pastors, children's pastors that came, and they'd crawl around their hands and knees among those kids. Some of them take off work like Sister Debbie's having to do, schedule out. We had people in the church that would schedule out weeks in advance so they could take off and go to kids' camp with them because they enjoyed it so much and worked so hard. Let me tell you, God's got blessings in store for us that we can't begin to believe. God is calling us. God, God is calling. God called Jeremiah and Isaiah, the prophets, the major prophets, but he also called Nahum and Zephaniah, the minor prophets. God called Peter and Paul, but he also called Philip and Tabitha. There's a place for all of us to work, a place that God has called us. To, to go forward for him. And you say, wait a minute, I've tried that and it didn't work. I've tried to do that and I've got beat up and I've had to back up. Let me tell you something. The devil's going to fight you every step of your ministry. The uh, devil's going to come against you uh, and try to stop your ministry. Uh, I face that, Pastor, uh, in almost the 30 years uh, over there. The devil tried to stop that ministry. Uh, more than once I got up on Monday morning saying, telling her, I'm done. Uh, I'm resigning uh, when we go back to church. Uh, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord began to deal with me. The power of God began to roll in my belly. Uh, and I'd say, God, I know you're not through with me yet. Uh, 30 years a pastor and almost 10 years of evangelizing, there's times that, that, uh, that it just didn't want to go forward any longer. Uh, but when I see uh, something happen, see somebody saved, feel the Holy Ghost, uh, somebody miraculously healed, it's worth it all. I know there's blessings over there, but I'm telling you there's blessings at these altars when you pray for somebody and they're touched and ministered to in a special way. I told somebody last Sunday, we were talking, went early before church, and we had a good service Sunday morning, Sunday night. We went early before church and was talking to somebody, and she was talking about somebody prayed for her, and she didn't know who it was. And I said, Sister, you don't need to know who it was. You just need to know somebody cared. Can I tell you, one of the best feelings that you'll ever get in your life, both ends of this thing now, is to be at an altar praying and struggling and you feel somebody's warm hand on your back. And you hear them pray. You don't know who they are. But you know they're praying for you. The other end of that thing is you know somebody's down there struggling. You're on this end of it. And you're praying for them. And you're asking God to touch them. Let me tell you, God's got something for those that will seek him. Let me go back to Joshua. Kind of got sidetracked here for a minute. For, for a few minutes, let me look at what Joshua did. In, verses, in verse 1 and 2, God says, Moses is dead. You're my man. Look at this. God called him and then equipped him and gave him assurances. You are the man that's going to lead the children of Israel. You're the one with the assurance. Know this. 
not only does he equip you, but he assures you to be victorious. What's the story you told of the missionary that went over there and got killed and, and somebody got saved and all the people got saved? Sometimes you don't see it. Tucker, was his name Tucker? If I remember right, Tucker? Some missionary went and worked, didn't see any any fruit, got killed, somebody got saved under his ministry and won a whole bunch of people. Lord, I don't, I don't remember all the story pastor would tell us. But you may not see all the 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 outcome of it. But God has given me an assurance in my heart. I told the story one time, somebody asked me one time, I don't remember if it was at Jones Church or where it was. They've been all the way back to home church. Somebody asked me one time, uh, I was preaching on the uh, um who was the one that God said, I'll give you anything you ask? Who? Solomon. Solomon. Yeah, thank you. Anything you ask, I'll give it to you. And I thought, somebody said, Preacher, what would you ask for? If God would give you anything, think about it. If he'd give you anything you want, one, what would you ask for? And my heart kind of stirred a little bit in the ministry for a whole bunch of years now. I thought, myself, if I could see everyone I've ever preached to in all the years, all the different churches, if I could see all them saved, that'd be the greatest blessing I could receive when I get to heaven, to see these people that have had the opportunity, whether it was me that planted the seed or saw them come to the altar, that they would get saved. Look at verse 3. God says, every place you walk, I'm going to give you. Verse 5 says, no man can stand against you. Wow, that's some good stuff right there. Same as in Hebrews. God said, I'll be with thee and I will not fail thee in the book of Hebrews for, uh, or nor forsake thee. Then God tells Joshua he's got to do something. Three times in verse 4, God says, be strong and of a good courage. Joshua, through it all, you've got to keep walking. Be strong. Where's that strength come from? It comes from being in that word and studying it. It comes from spending not minutes now lay me down to sleep at night, but hours in that in that in your prayer closet, wherever that happens to be. And I used to think when I first got saved, they talked about prayer closets. Some of the little closets the houses we lived in wasn't very big. And I get claustrophobic in there. <laughs> I found out my prayer closet can be beside my bed or kneel in front of my recliner. Or walking up and down the, the, the hallway of my house. Wherever that happens to be. Uh, when you're talking to God, you're getting stronger. Uh, when you're talking to God, he, he's giving you the courage you need uh, to face that battle. Keep walking. Uh, keep going forward. Keep moving on. Know that you're not walking alone. Uh, that God is equipping you and assuring you of the work that he wants you to do. Uh, and if you just keep on keeping on, God's got something in store for you, but you got to keep yeah. on. Joshua, be strong and have a good courage. I'm going to skip over the spies and the covenant with Rahab in chapter 2. In chapter 3, Joshua has led the children of Israel up to the Jordan River. And remember, they're on their way to Canaan. Remember, back up with me, and remember how God had told Moses where he was going to take them, and then Moses got himself in trouble, and and wasn't going to lead the children of Israel. And here's Joshua with the call on his life. And he's going to lead the children of Israel. And they're on their way to Canaan. The promised land. The land of God's blessing. 
nothing. Can't lift anything. <coughs> Joshua had to be praying. I can't let anything hinder me from getting to the promised land. I thought as I was studying, I mean, they over the years have seen a hindrance come in somebody's life that's caused them to back up on God. I have. I've seen pastors fail. Pastors, I'm sorry. I've seen pastors that have gotten involved in extramarital affairs. Not only lost their license with the assemblies of God, but lost their position with God. Let me tell you something. You can't, and, and I, I was raised around an old granny that I think granny thought everything was sin. Like she did when, when we was a little kid growing up. <laughs> raised in my mom and dad. Dad was a devout Catholic, and Mom, uh, he he drawed her into that. And then when we go to Granny's house, everything we did was wrong. <laughs> but I've learned over the years, you can't let anything come between you and God. Absolutely. And what is a struggle for me, Brother Derlin, might not be a struggle for you. But something that's a struggle for you, Sister Robbie, would be a a big struggle for me. You gotta keep your focus on God. You gotta keep walking forward. You gotta keep taking one step at a time, like Sister Cersei. Even if you're using that walker, you're taking one step at a time. You're getting closer, Lord, because the promise is heaven. Joshua had the promise of the of Canaan and the promised land and the blessings of God and all the things that God had in store for him. But let me tell you something. We got a whole lot more than that. We got heaven to gain. We got a, we got a treasure laying aside. There's a house up there. He said, I go away and prepare a place for you. There's one with my name on it up there. And I'm not quitting till I get there. I'm not letting anything keep me from getting to my goal. Over 40, 43 years this last Thursday was my Christian birthday. 43 years I've been working toward getting to heaven. You can't let any, Joshua said, I can't let anything keep me from getting to Canaan. But the devil knows how to throw things in your way, right? He led the children up to the, children of Israel up to the Jordan River. The land that God had promised to Moses was just on the other side. Crossing the Jordan is going to be a huge problem. Too many today have given up on the promises of God because of problems that they've had in their life. Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God. God doesn't break a promise. I was raised by an illiterate, or a lot of my life, an illiterate grandpa. If grandpa went to school, maybe second, third grade, maybe. But my grandpa was wise in so many ways. But I learned something from my grandpa when I was a little bitty boy. My grandpa, back in the day, you could go in, shake hands with a guy, and your word was your bond. Grandpa was poor. We were, we were raised in, around poor conditions. And grandpa would go in, shake hands with a the guy at the grocery store and say, if you let me have enough groceries to feed these kids, I'll pay you when I get my check the end of the month. 
when that check come in on the first or the third or whatever it is, we'd get in that old jalopy of Grandpa and away we'd go to pay that bill. He'd go to the bank or go to the feed store. Or he had a bunch of chickens out in the yard. And if he whatever he bought, he shook hands with that guy. He stuck to it. Let me tell you something. God promises to us. We He doesn't break our promises. Man will break a promise to you. Man will tell you that he's going to do something, and he doesn't. I've had the opportunity over these 40-some years of ministry to do a, a lot of weddings. I did one not too awful long ago, and, and I, I try to tell these couples that are young and you're making a promise. These vows are a promise to your spouse. And you're going to honor them. That scripture, or that, that word in there says, till death do you part. Marriages are, are coming apart at the seams for the, for the least problem. Let, some little something comes up and they're going every which direction. Let me tell you something. It's not just in younger couples that are married. I'm, I'm, I've seen older ones that marriages are falling apart. They made a promise to each other. Standing in front of the preacher, justice of peace, if that's where they went, they still made that promise. Let me tell you something. God's made a promise to us, and he's going to honor that promise. Oh, I will always be with you. I will always take care of you. I'll be there for you. You won't walk by yourself. Can I tell you this morning? God had a plan for Joshua even before he got to the Jordan River. God knew what that river was going to be like. God knew that it was going to be a flood stage, but God had a plan for Joshua to get over. God has a plan for your life. The blessings of God. In, in third, uh, third John, verse number 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. God wants to bless you. He wants to minister to you. God doesn't want you sick. He doesn't want you struggling. He doesn't want you going through difficult times in your financial life. God wants to minister to your heart and your life, but you got to keep walking. You've got to keep going forward. Sometimes God plan, God's plan demands that we exercise our faith. What you mean? i got to have faith? Walk with God? Yes, you do. Hebrews 11, 6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God has a plan. Before Joshua got there, when way back in chapter 1, when Moses has died and God has put the mantle on Joshua, he already knew that Jordan River was overflowing. Before you ever knelt in the altar and gave your heart and life to the Lord, God knew the, the struggle and the problem and the difficulty. Told you the story many times. Been told three times I was going to die by doctors. I had four surgeries, different procedures where they put me to sleep. But when they put you to sleep, <laughs> you just pray they, that they can wake you back up. Had, had procedures where they had to put me to sleep. Had cancer tests when they, they put me to sleep and run needles all up in the lymph nodes in my back and in my, uh, my neck. I said, God already knew about that. 43 years ago when I knelt at that altar and gave my heart and life to the Lord, God already knew about that. He, it wasn't, when those doctors told my, my family that a good possibility I wasn't going to make it, God knew I was going to make it. Because, see, God had a plan for my life. God had a plan for my ministry. God's got a plan for your life. 
God's got a plan for you. Not, not only today, but tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. If he tarries, he's coming. God's got a plan for you. Here's the plan. God, uh, Joshua told the priest in verse number 8, pick up the Ark of the Covenant, walk into the Jordan River, and stand still. It's still like what God told Moses in Exodus 14, 13. Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which I will show unto you this day. Sometimes we're in so big a hurry, we forget to stand still and hear what God's saying. He told the psalmist in Psalms 46 and 10, be still and know that I'm God. I am under the persuasion today that we're way too distracted to hear from God. Technology is moving so rapidly, it frightens me. And I've said it before. You kneel down to pray and you put this beside you. Shame on you. Shame on you. If something is that important, they can't wait till you're done praying. Then you're something, you're too busy. Something's wrong. I don't want that thing even turned on. I want to hear it ring in the other room when I'm praying. I don't. You say, Brother Tommy, something could be happening to your family. Well, maybe. But God has chosen my time to spend with him. We're too distracted. Be still and know that I'm God. I've been told some of the things God tells me doesn't make sense, but whether it makes sense or not, God tells you to do it, you better do it. They told him to. Tell the priest to walk into the water. The officers went through the crowd, told the crowd, follow the priest into the water. They did. Verse 16 and 17 said, the water stood up in a heap and they all went over on dry ground. It would have been easy to stop walking at about verse 15 but the bible says the jordan overflowed these banks and they kept on walking they just kept on uh, let me tell you something uh, we are facing situations in our life uh, where it looks like that we're about to be overthrown by the waters uh, of this world the devil's coming against us but listen to me god has promised that he's going to walk with us Winding down, I'm running out of time. i got to hurry. Let's skip to chapter 4 and 5. Joshua has led the children of Israel to the city of Jericho. Verse 1 says it was locked up tight. No traffic in. Dake says no traffic out. God told Joshua, I'm going to get you that city. But you got to do it my way. Oh, wait a minute, Lord. i got to do it your way? My way failed so many times over the years. That's when I've said, God, it's all yours, that it works. you got to do it God's way. Too many try to conquer the giants and defeat the enemy and win the battles, and they go down doing it their own way. Peter said, for even here too were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Follow his steps. Joshua, get all your men together. You don't need any weapons. Seven priests will lead you. Walk around the city of, of Jericho once a day for six days. Then seven times on the seventh day, the priests will blow the trumpets. The people will shout. The city will fall down flat. Seems like an impossibility. I've studied on this many, many times. To stand and look at it and the thought of it sound like an impossibility. When Joshua told them, it must have sounded like something that they've never seen before done or never experienced to see the walls were thick enough 
to run chariot races around the top for entertainment. They did what God told them, and God did what he told them, and the walls fell down flat. He always does. He always does. Listen to me. Peter was in jail. Bartimaeus was blind. Lazarus was dead. Paul was in a vicious storm. After the touch of the master, they kept on walking. You can't stop. You can't give up. You can't get beaten down. You've got to keep going forward and going forward. I told you about preaching in McLeod last Sunday morning, Sunday night. Sunday morning I gave an altar call and God was dealing with a young couple toward the back about where Mark and Carol are sitting. And big tears running down their cheeks. And I extended it just a little bit farther. And Love you guys back there. <laughs> I gave an altar call and those two came and gave, got saved. Young lady sitting about where Valerie sat and tears just flowing down her cheeks. She wouldn't come. She got up when we were standing at the back with Brother Crystal Webb and greeting people. She walked by me and tears still flowing down her cheeks. And I said, God's got something for you. She said, I know. And she went on out the door. Preached Sunday night. Same situation. Young couple that raised their hand for salvation and sat there and sat there. Pretty soon he was he's wearing a, a an orange shirt. She was wearing a green. They were wearing t shirts. Look in being their upper teens, twenty low twenties maybe. He raised his head and he looked at me. By that time I was bawling. I said, Man, come on. Just come on. Here he came. Give me this little girl. We prayed with them. God saved their soul. I told both couples, I said, This is just the starting this is just your entry level. This is just where you've started. You've got to keep walking. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep stepping forward. That, that lady that was sitting there that went out crying, when we were down here praying, this lady gets saved. Pretty soon here she came. And my wife was praying with another lady over here, and I looked up and saw her coming, and she came just moving. I can't tell you the details of what she told me, but God touched her because she got out of that seat and took maybe 20 steps to get to an altar and get saved. You may be facing the toughest physical need you've ever faced. Walk on. The worst financial need. Walk on. Big, biggest spiritual need. Walk on. Scariest storm. Walk on. Why? Because God's promise you have is in John chapter 14. He says, I'm going to give it to you. Heavenly Father, as I come to you, Lord, this morning, God, I love you. I thank you for the privilege, God, of being able, able to minister the word. God, thank you for the opportunity to share with this beautiful congregation, knowing, God, that there are those here this, this morning, Lord, that are facing situations maybe they've never faced before in their lives. And I just ask God right now that you would touch them. I pray, God, that you would minister to them. I ask God that you'd meet every need in this building. If there's one here that needs to be saved, God save their soul. Those that have physical needs, financial needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, whatever they happen to be, God, I pray that you would touch them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed for just a moment. You may be here this morning.
And maybe your life is not where it needs to be. Maybe you've never been saved in your life. Or maybe you've been saved at one time and you've walked away from God. God wants to reach in and touch you right now. You say, preacher, I've turned and gone the wrong way. God wants to turn you around and keep you walking for him. Anybody, wait for just a moment. I think, I think everybody in the building this morning is saved, but I don't want to close the service. Not knowing. Not knowing. You're here. Preacher, I need to be saved this morning.